Welcome back. We're going to have another session on the Metta practice or the loving kindness practice as it's known. And it's it's interesting because the Metta practice to me is uh, something that came alive much later than some of the other practices, but when it came alive for me, it really really came alive quickly. And I think it's such a wonderful example of what a tremendous blessing it is in the knowledge that there's a choice about what we choose to feed in ourselves and in others and that there is the possibility of remembering what we most deeply treasure and value and then translating that sense of possibility into an embodied way of being moment to moment. And the metta, or loving-kindness practice, is another form of meditation that not only helps us do exactly that, but helps us to cultivate and develop new pathways of response and understanding. And personally, I like to use the metta practice when I'm feeling particularly restless um, or anxious about something going on in my life. And then rather than the breath or the body or sound, the metta practice really becomes the anchor of my concentration practice. And one of the ways to keep the metta practice from feeling artificial or mechanical is to over time really feel your way into the phrases that resonate for you personally. So when we do it, when we walk you through the metta practice, we're just giving you examples of phrases that, that could work for you. Now those phrases may or may not work for you personally, so I would really um, encourage you to spend some time with the practice and feel your way into the phrases that will resonate for you and that will reflect your aspirations and your intentions. Loving kindness to me is probably the best tool available for me to maintain that balance that I was talking about last night between compassion, really letting my heart quiver in response to my own suffering as well as that of others, and equanimity, that vast spaciousness that allows me to be able to maintain my center when my heart is quivering in response to some kind of, of pain. And La introduced you to the basics of the meta practice yesterday. There are so many different ways to use meta, and she walked you through um, one that allows us to take our beneficial intentions and expand them beyond ourselves. And we expanded them to people that we love, to people in this room, and then to eventually people everywhere. The real traditional form of meta practice always starts, meta practice always starts in the same way with meta directed toward ourselves. But the traditional part of the practice goes from meta directed to ourselves, to a benefactor or a teacher, somebody that we don't have a real complicated relationship with, to somebody that we love, to the neutral person, and then to somebody that we are in a very challenging or even adversive relationship with. 
And the reason it goes in that order is because, as you notice, it gets increasingly difficult to open your heart up um, in areas. So we go from a very uncomplicated relationship to a very complicated relationship where there's conflict or adversity taking place. And a lot of times I get questions from people that have to do with whether or not loving kindness is a type of prayer. Is it the Christian or Jewish equivalent of, of prayer? And I think what loving kindness and prayer from all traditions, all spiritual traditions have in common is that they're both very powerful ways to move energy because energy follows thought. And I've heard a Christian mystic describe prayer as absolute unmixed attention. And that's definitely the spirit that we bring to the loving-kindness practice. It's not an affirmation. Rather, it's a cultivation of a particular and sincere intention or aspiration for ourselves and others. And the sincerity of heart is what determines the power of the practice. And there have been so many studies, including in the scientific uh, and medical field, that have shown that aspirations and prayers do have a positive effect on people. And one of the keys to the loving-kindness practice is the choice of meaningful phrases. Even if you're a skeptic, just try making the aspiration that is reflected in your chosen and personally meaningful phrases with a sincerity of heart, um, and the hope that those you have in mind, including yourself, receive this blessing. And loving kindness and compassion are not qualities to be cultivated only when our hearts are undisturbed. The loving kindness practice includes the willingness to engage with tragedy, with loss, with the pain of challenging relationships, and its domain is, is not only the world of those we love and care for, but equally the people who threaten us, the countless people we don't know, the homeless person on the street, uh, the, as well as the situations of anger and resentment and disappointment that we experience in relationship with other people. And it's in those challenging times in relationships when we often learn about the depths of acceptance and understanding that are possible for each of us. And it's here that we learn about dignity and meaning and greatness of heart. What it means to be able to continue to love somebody without throwing them out of our hearts, even if we have to take distance from them. And at women's retreats, I usually teach a specific kind of meta practice designed for us in our role as caregivers. And as women, it's quite common for us to be conditioned to be stewards and caregivers in relationships. So we're mothers, we're partners, we're daughters with elderly parents and relatives. We're sisters, we're volunteers, and we're often professionals in service roles. And these roles often involve caregiving of some kind that often have some inherent and specific challenges built in. And these challenges can be magnified if the people that we love and are in relationship with have addictions, physical illness, mental illness, or both. And this year I want to offer two different kinds 
of loving kindness practices that we can use to develop kindness and compassion for ourselves in the midst of these kinds of difficult relationships with those we love. First, I'd like to explore a loving kindness practice called Tonglen that has its roots in the Tibetan tradition. And then I'd like to repeat one of the guided meditations we did last year that contains phrases that reflect aspirations for ourselves when we experience the challenges often associated with our roles as caregivers. And the power of the loving-kindness practice, as well as the Tonglen practice, lies in its capacity to dissolve that separation between me and you, between us and them. And I find the Tonglen practice extremely helpful in the most complex and challenging relationships in my own life, particularly with my son, uh, my youngest son, who has both an addiction and a mental illness. And Pema Children writes a lot about the practice of Tonglen. So if you're interested in this practice after we do it, you might take a look at, at some of her books. And the thing that I have found the most helpful with this practice is that it puts me in touch with my soft spot as well as the threads, the, the threads of all the emotions that are going on, the threads of love, the threads of grief, the threads of disappointment, the threads of fear, the threads of resentment, the threads of forgiveness inherent in my feelings that the relationship evokes in me. And I find it a tremendous opportunity to practice patience and kindness and generosity toward myself, as well as all other people in my situation. And it also is a powerful reminder that I am not alone, that I share the pain of this challenge with many other people who walk this planet. And the Tonglen practice involves thinking of all the others who are in the same or similar position as you are. And on the in-breath, we breathe in our own pain, as well as that of all others who are holding the same kind of pain. And on the out-breath, we send ourselves and them some form of loving-kindness, some form of relief. So it's interesting in the Tonglen practice. We breathe in what our initial instinct is often to push away, the pain of others. And we send out the relief that we are often searching for, clinging to for ourselves. And this is really a wonderful um, tool for dissolving the ego's various strategies to stay afront. So with the Tonglen practice, we find a lot of humility as well as empathy inside the pain. We're not alone. We find ourselves in the same boat with many other people. And like us, they aspire to open up only to find themselves closing down again. And like us, regardless of external circumstances, they have the capacity for joy and to let go of the storylines built around their pain. And I've been surprised how right in the middle of my foulest emotions I can find 
this soft spot. And sometimes I breathe in the adversity of my son and all others who have mental health challenges. And sometimes I breathe in the adversity of myself and all those in the position of loving somebody with a mental health issue. Sometimes I focus my attention on the pain of all of us who love someone with an addiction. And sometimes I simply focus on all the other mothers out there who just like me have to learn the lessons of letting go in the midst of our deep love for our children. And I find breathing in this suffering not only helps me feel a part of a community much larger than myself, but the practice itself softens me. And transformation can and often does occur right in this painful place where life has brought me to my knees. And with the Tong Lin practice, my pain and fear become the basis of opening my heart to the distress of others. Then my personal pain and misery does not close me down, but becomes a stepping stone toward connection with other people, as well as a bigger perspective and understanding that my situation is not personal in any way. I'm not being punished for something I've done wrong any more than anybody else is. And it's also a powerful reminder to me to, rather than ask the question, why, ask the question, why not? Why not me? So we use the painful emotions to soften rather than harden us. And when they tenderize us, we are more capable of reaching out, of both giving and receiving. And then we are less frozen in the paralysis of panic or fear or anxiety. And each of us has this soft spot, this capacity for love and tenderness. And often we're, we're trying to undo all the strategies from our childhood that have uh, taught us how to keep others from hurting it. That, and right now they're no longer necessary. But we don't know that sometimes. So Tonglen is the cultivation of bodhicitta, which translate at, translates as an awakened heart. <clears throat> and it's a way of personally experiencing how great suffering can awaken great compassion. And I have found this soft spot to be a tremendous place to rest in. And I've also found that if I don't cultivate it, I can go the other direction, in the direction of hardening fairly easily. And it's been a tremendous blessing for me to find that loving kindness can be found in the midst of almost suffocating pain and anxiety and confusion, and that these painful emotions can serve as a stepping stone, serve as a basis for compassion and connection with others. And I found that I can also own the negativity of my resentment and anger for a loved one or for an adversary and still wish for those in either category to be free from harm, to be filled with great ease, and to know the joy of giving and receiving love. So I'd like to walk you through the Tonglen practice right now, if you would just uh, assume a dignified sitting position.
And just let your eyes close gently. Come into your body. And just let your body and your breath be soft. And now bring your attention to the area of the heart. And see if you can feel the heart and the breath together as if you could breathe into the heart and breathe out through the heart. Try, just try to feel your breath as if it came in and out right there at the heart center. And now bring to mind a, a current life challenge. You know, it might be an illness that you're experiencing or that a loved one is experiencing. Perhaps it's an impending or recent death of a loved one. Perhaps it's the ending of a relationship. It might be a conflict with a loved one. It might be a conflict with a friend. It might be a conflict with a coworker. Whatever it may be, just take a moment to fully feel the threads of, of the pain of whatever challenge you may be experiencing. And now think of all the other people, those you know and those you don't know who are facing a similar challenge. And on the in-breath, breathe in their pain through the heart center as well as your own. And send relief out. to them as well as yourself on the out-breath. So on the in-breath, you breathe in the pain. And on the out-breath, you send relief with great sincerity of heart. And that relief might be simply in the form of a kinesthetic body experience, an intuitive feeling or it might be in the form of a phrase of some kind. May you be filled with great ease. May we be filled with great ease.
May we feel the balm of this loving kindness. May we be filled with the courage and wisdom to respond wisely. Or whatever phrase you can get behind with with great sincerity, whatever works for you to send this relief on the out-breath. So this is the last time that you'll hear my voice in this particular meditation. So just breathe with this practice for the next few minutes. And this Tonglen practice is something that, like the loving-kindness practice, is very flexible. You can use it at the beginning of the uh, meditation. You can use it during walking meditation. You can use it at the end of a meditation. Or you can make it the, the entire meditation. And, and please, I, I hope you'll experiment with it and see if it is a useful tool for you. In our role as caregivers, we, especially for people that we love, we experience so many things. And our capacity for forbearance and patience and courage is probably most tested when we are faced with a loved one's pain that we cannot fix or heal. And an intrinsic part of the reality of intimacy is that we will be asked to open ourselves up to separation and helplessness. And in our closest relationships, attachment is the near enemy of compassion. It's not the deep bonds of love and care that sabotage loving kindness, 
but it's our desire to control all things, including the pain of our loved ones. And our fear can put us into a panic that undermines loving kindness. And fear often appears simultaneously with pain, and we can compound a loved one's fear with our own panic and anxiety. And I've certainly found this to be the case with, with my son. And on a retreat, on a personal retreat that I was on, I realized that as a result of my hope that he would take the necessary steps to help himself, that I was often living in the hope of my potential relationship with him in the future rather than in my actual relationship with him in the present moment as he is. And changing the foreground and the background required me in many ways to let go of hope and just get present and comfortable with how things simply are. I don't know what the future holds. It could hold anything from death to complete recovery. But it required acceptance and letting go of the vestigial traces of denial that were still present for me. And most of all, it required me to work very tenderly with my fear. And fear, like all other emotions, doesn't ask for judgment or dismissal, nor does it ask for denial or pretense. It asks for our compassion and tenderness. And loving kindness in its deepest sense, in its deepest sense, for me is the practice of non-abandonment, the non-abandonment of ourselves as well as others. And in my relationship with my son, I've discovered that I can love with grace and wisdom in the full understanding that love is also letting go. And letting go is not a relinquishment of love, but a release of my illusions. And when we turn away from the sorrow and pain, we feel we can not bear, we deny not only a loved one's pain, but also the truth of their experience. And to be a refuge for another, we must remain connected with not only the truth of our own pain, but also the truth of their pain, and find a way to remain unflinching in the face of that truth. We may fear their loss, and that we will be unable to bear our own heartache. But being patiently willing to cultivate the art of letting go in the places we hold most tightly brings a freedom from fear and resistance in all places, because if you can do it there, Guess what? You can do it anywhere. And it's also important to remember that loving kindness as well as compassion asks us to respond with wisdom to relieve suffering wherever possible. And it also asks us to embrace the limits of ourselves. In our challenging relationships, compassion is both gentle and fierce at times. And we need boundaries in place that enable us to love without resentment. 
And last year I spoke about the importance of high quality boundaries and challenging relationships in, and their role in both protecting the relationship and our ability to continue to love the person. So let me just repeat that high quality boundaries are those made from a non-reactive place after careful thought that also protect the integrity of not only our love, but the integrity of the boundary by making sure that we don't put boundaries in place that we are unwilling or unable to keep. And if you've ever been in that kind of dynamic where you get reactive and then you feel regret about being reactive, so you take it back, you realize the dynamic that you're feeding into is one that could go on for a long time. So now I'd like to, to move to a loving kindness meditation with phrases developed that reflect these types of high quality boundaries that enable us to develop the immense courage required not to throw people out of our hearts and not to give up on other people, even when we have to take space from them. So it takes immense, immense courage and strength not to falter in our loving and caring for others when we feel it's not returned, when others have disappointed us in some way, when they don't meet our expectations and needs. And that doesn't mean that we should not continue to ask ourselves, is this good for me? But as I just said, we can take space from other people. We can develop high-quality boundaries without having to throw them out of our hearts. And these phrases offer us the opportunity to cultivate the ability to stay connected to those that we're in challenging relationships with and not to banish them from our hearts. And the phrases for these times are a combination of some that come from Sharon Salzberg and some I've made up for myself um, as a result of, of my teaching with her. So let's try a loving kindness meditation for ourselves with phrases that could be used in a challenging relationship. And what I invite you to do is just try to try each phrase on for yourself. Uh, and repeat it silently after I do and just see if it feels like it fits. If it fits, hang on to it. If not, discard it and try the next one out. So we're going to start out the same way we did before, assuming a dignified posture. And once again, letting our eyes close gently. Letting our body and breath be soft. And bringing our attention once again to the area of the heart. Feeling the heart and the breath together. Breathing in straight into the heart space and breathing out through the heart.
Now bring to mind somebody that you are either in a caregiving role with or that you're currently experiencing some challenges with. And these phrases are phrases that are directed at ourselves. May I remain in peace and let go of expectations. May I remain in peace and let go of expectations. And you don't have to worry about writing these down because I'll send them to La to send out to the email list. May I remain in peace and let go of expectations. May I offer love knowing I can't control the course of life, suffering, or death. May I offer love knowing I can't control the course of life, suffering, or death. May I care about your pain with the understanding that I cannot control it. May I care about your pain with the understanding that I cannot control it. May I wish you happiness and peace with the understanding that I cannot make your choices for you. May I wish you happiness and peace with the understanding that I cannot make your choices for you. May I see my limits compassionately just as I view the limitations of others. May I see my limits compassionately just as I view the limitations of others. May I have the inner strength to maintain my boundaries and preserve the relationship. May I have the inner strength to maintain my boundaries and preserve the relationship. May I offer my care and presence without conditions, knowing they may be met by gratitude anger, or indifference. 
May I offer my care and presence without conditions, knowing they may be met by gratitude, anger, or indifference. I'll go through the phrases one more time and see if you can just pick one to silently use as your own for the remainder of the meditation. May I remain in peace and let go of expectations. May I offer love knowing I can't control the course of life, suffering, or death. May I care about your pain with the understanding that I cannot control it. May I wish you happiness and peace with the understanding that I cannot make your choices for you. May I see my limits compassionately just as I view the limitations of others. May I have the inner strength to maintain my boundaries and preserve the relationship. May I offer my care and presence without conditions, knowing they may be met by gratitude, anger, or indifference. So just use one of the phrases and direct it toward yourself with a great sincerity of heart. <clears throat> 